Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Stand with me if you're able to Leviticus chapter 9. When someone starts from Leviticus, you know, uh uh-oh. God got after somebody. Yeah, it was me. It's okay, I'm the pastor. Leviticus chapter 9, those of you that are with us, God bless you. Streaming online, we welcome you. I'm glad you're here. However you got here, I'm glad you're here. Verses 6, 7, and 8. And Moses said, this is the thing which God commanded that ye should do. Someone shout, should do. And the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. Say, appear unto me. And Moses said unto Aaron, Go into the altar and offer thy sin offering and thy burnt offering and make an atonement for thyself and for the people. And after the offering of the people and make an atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Aaron therefore went unto the altar And slew the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. There's a lot of offerings there. They're called sin offerings. And I'm reading from the King James, so let me just help somebody with a 21st century vernacular. An atonement is making things right with God. Go back to the Old Testament days. I'm glad we're not living in the Old Testament days. But once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, Brother Gustavo, and he'd make an atonement, a repentance, a reconciliation. Maybe in some cases, an apology for the people of God. God, I'm sorry the way they acted. It got so bad at one point in the journey that God said, Moses, Aaron, get out of the way. I'm going to destroy him. But I don't want to destroy you. So you take a long walk tomorrow morning, and I'm going to start over. And the man of God said to God, surprisingly, no, don't do that. And to my surprise, God hearkened unto him. Interesting. I want to preach to you this morning on this title, Coming Clean. Coming Clean. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, our conversation on Friday would somehow you could help me articulate, help me share to the wonderful people that are here and online, those that I pastor and that this call this home, God, that they would hear the voice that I heard, Lord, but it would be through me, and maybe you speak directly to souls and hearts. And God, I release you. Yes, I do, but I pray that you would release me also. And together, God, you and I, the Spirit and Tom Durance, would yoke up and tether and harness as one voice, and we would be fluid for the next little bit, that they would hear the heartbeat of heaven and receive and hearken and make an atonement for ourselves, the people of God. Bless us, God, as we move forward. In Jesus' name, I ask this. If you receive it, would you shout amen? 
Amen, amen. Put your hands together as an offering of praise unto the Lord as you're seated. Coming clean. The word sacrifice or sacrifices appear in the Bible 386 times. When I think of the Word of God, several words come to my mind. Words such as submission, holy, purification, sanctification, honor, sacrifice, and a host of others that maybe you would come up with. The Word of God is chocked full of admonitions. The Word of God is chocked full of do's and don'ts. But there are some scriptures that I would call as covenant scriptures. What's a covenant scripture? It's simply this, that God says, if you do this, I will do this. If you take the first step, I will meet you there. In the Old Testament, Moses trying to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. God told Moses to tell them to put the blood on the doorpost. And if they would, their eldest son would not die as the death angel makes its way through Egypt. If you do this, your oldest son shall not die. It's a covenant scripture. One of the most popular ones, highlighted ones in our time is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, someone shout if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I, someone shout, then will I. It starts out if my people, that's us. If you do those four things, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. If you do four things in this application, he says, I'll do three. The covenant is, if I'm going to get to three, Brother Chavez, I have to do my four. It's kind of like we do with our kids. You can get allowance, but you must do your chores. No chores, no allowance. God's saying, you want to see my glory manifested? then you need to be like this or do this or receive this. There is always a requirement on us in order for God to move or speak into our situations, into our lives, into the church. We must be holy before we hear God's voice. Why? Because His voice is pure and holy. His voice is clean and accurate. The problem is, as life goes, humanity seems to float or drift from the characteristics of God, which is the purity and holiness of God. What I would call maybe the awe factor, that I am in awe of God. My reverence, my respect, my loyalty, that God requires all of that. He says in his writings, one writer said that God said, I am a jealous God. What does that mean? That we have no other gods before him. Not gods with a capital G. He is the only supreme God. There is nobody that is above him or beside him. But what is below him are other gods with a lowercase g. Again, my own observation and definition of a god that a lowercase g is 
anything I do that puts space between God and I. That becomes a God in the context of my relationship with God. That in itself may not be a God if it's properly stewarded, if it's properly managed. But if I am irresponsible with my item, and it comes between God and I, Brother Tony, then the Bible says that you have put a God before me, and I am a jealous God. I don't like that. I want your love. I want your affection. I want your energy. I want your passion. I want your strength. I want your... I want your plans. I want your future. Oh, wow, God wants everything. Uh, Yeah, pretty much he does. What's wrong with that? Because if I know anything about God, if I surrender everything to God, that in the end, God blesses and honors. So my message title is Coming Clean. I think when you hear the term coming clean... Maybe they're before the grand jury, or they're turning state evidence, or they're being interviewed by the FBI, and the news and the media says, you know what? He came clean. None of us think that he walked into that meeting with a bar of soap and a wash rag. None of us think that he brought his shampoo and hair conditioner to the meeting. He came clean means that he divulged everything. He confessed. He acknowledged what they thought, and he told them what they didn't even know. He came clean. He held nothing back. So hence, I take my title as we draw nigh unto God. Again, we are focusing, laser focus, military precision, moving forward for our revival, which is two weeks from today. In this pulpit will be Brother Tim Green, an evangelist. And I feel like we need to get our hearts and homes ready. We need to focus on what God is wanting to do and what God is going to do. I cannot allow the busyness of life or the distractions of life to distract me and show up the same day that Brother Tim Green shows up and think that he's bringing revival and restoration in his suitcase or on his iPad and whatever he says is going to fix my problems. That's not true. What he says and he moves in the spirit with me already anticipating a word or a voice from God is going to fix my problems and move my thoughts and bring everything back into focus and rearrange things that without God that we get all messed up out of order. God is a God of order. God is a God of restitution, restoration, and repentance. And I have to make sure as a pastor especially a Pentecostal apostolic pastor, when we depend on the Spirit of God to resolve and to speak into our lives, especially corporately. I am responsible corporately for the body of Christ. Yes, I know you are responsible for your own soul. The Bible says work out your own salvation with, watch this, with fear and trembling. That's not casual. In my mind, that's a scary environment. I was fearful and I was trembling, but I saw the face of God. In my flesh, I actually got a little scared, and I thought it might be appropriate to kneel because it was so intense when God showed up. I'm working, what am I doing? I'm working out my salvation, Brother Tony. In 1 Peter 1 and 16, the Bible says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And I know the pathway to miracles and the supernatural 
is holiness from the inside out. Not a lackadaisical, charismatic spirit and attitude that we would waltz into church as just another day on the job or just another event in your life. With all the worldly influences, voices, options, and paths, we can slowly be leading down the path back to Egypt. Think with me, out of the two million plus people that left Egypt, when everything started happening that was bad, when there was chaos and they were getting upset with Moses and they were wanting to do away with and start over, I wonder how many turned back and said, you know what, maybe we should go back to Egypt. The Bible says that. And they said, because we had it better there. And it begins to list all the fruit, the the garlic and the leeks and the cucumbers. And all these things, and the guacamole, and the chips, and the salsa, and the roast. Hummo, somebody. Mm. And in the midst of the desert, and the heat, and the trouble, they thought about a few little things that they craved. It only listed food. I wonder, the Bible doesn't record it. I wonder if any turn back. Hey, I know it there. That's my comfort zone. And God's saying, no, we're going to move forward and we're going to sacrifice. And we're going to set up a temple in the wilderness. And we're going to do a brazing altar and a laver of water. And we're going to go past the showbread and we're going to get into the Holy of Holies. And while you're making your way to the promised land, once a year the high priest will go in and we, him and I will have a meeting and he'll tell me all the reasons you did what you did and I will try to forgive you and we're going to make an atonement and the man of God is going to speak up and help fix everything that's happened in the Old Testament. Well, there's something about a man of God and a corporate following of God, which is now called the church. This is the tabernacle. Many churches are called tabernacles, even in their name. We're not moving. We're not setting up. But still, the holiness of God needs to be present in the tabernacle or the sanctuary or whatever building you would identify where you go to church. Because God is holy and he never changes. He said in Hebrews 13, 8, that I'm the same yesterday today and forever. People, I want you to hear me, dear church. We are in warfare. We are in a spiritual warfare. People's confidence is under attack. Marriages are under attack. Faithfulness is under attack. Our holiness is under attack. We are under attack, but take confidence. We as a church will fight back. Why? Because the church always wins. The church will not be defeated. The church will not be extinct. The church will not be squashed out. Why? Because Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you and the church always wins and we will fight back against the opposition, against the enemy. And what such a timely manner for revival. If you're new here or you're new to God, a revival is gathering us together to revive us. They revive people. The EMTs and the paramedics revive people. There are people that buy businesses and they revive them. Revive is bringing back to life healthy All of the vital signs are good when they are revived. And so we are seeking God to revive us as the church of the living God. We are what? I don't know, 16, 17, 18 months 
from when the pandemic started and she began to shut things down last March. We need a revival. This church needs a revival. God's body needs to be revived. That is you and I, my friend, that God needs to speak a prophetic word into our life to understand that he is still on the throne. He knows exactly where his church is. He knows exactly what is going on in the world. And we want to make sure that we are leaning in and queued up to the voice of God. But woe is me as a pastor if I do not prepare us to receive the voice that God will bring from the man of God. It is my assignment to get the church ready. It is my assignment to help us to be acutely aware that God is moving in our midst. And it will culminate in the revival of those three nights, which is coming up. I know we are under attack and we are fighting back. But more than fighting, we must sacrifice and we'll purify ourselves before God. We need to get in the holy of holies and say, as, as the writer said, God, woe is me and all my garments and my thoughts and my household. And we strip back to God and just say, God, speak into my spirit, speak into my heart, speak into my life. And I'm talking about sanctifying and purifying ourselves as the body of Christ. Whenever I notice exploits in the miraculous, in the word of God, it was preceded by people that were sanctified and purified. You see, the miraculous didn't take place with the Egyptians. I don't read of any miracles, Brother French, while they're in bondage amongst the heathen. I don't read of great exploits of Egyptians that did things under the power of God because they were not sanctified and purified. And if we're going to see what God wants us to see, I'm preaching to us this morning, it's time that we strip ourselves of the carnality and put on humility. Because before and in the presence of God, we cloak ourselves in humility. Carnality and arrogance and the fleshly mind of Egypt cannot coexist in the presence of God. It's not allowed in the holy of holies. In fact, if it was, the power of God would strike the man of God dead. That's how much he disdained carnality. And the pressure of the man of God and the priest going into the Holy of Holies for atonement had to be nerve-wracking times 10. He's searching himself. He's purifying himself. He's putting on a cloak of humility because he knows he's coming face to face with the Spirit of God. And he knows what happens if his heart isn't pure, that God cannot move in an impure heart and a carnal mind. So he strips himself down, leading up to that appointment in the Holy of Holies with God. So I'm saying our appointment in the Holy of Holies, Brother Fernando, is two weeks from today. And woe to me, woe to us, if we don't prepare ourselves and strip our carnal mind and strip our nasty spirit and our ugly spirit and our thoughts and get right with God and say, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. But God might be saying, well, then you need to come clean if I'm going to bless you. You need to get right with me if I'm going to bless you. You need to stop some carnality. You need to push back from Egypt and you need to get in... Mm. Please know God didn't give it to me in the soft way I'm giving it to you. But I can take it 
It's what he does to pastors. I'm just telling you, my friend, that if you're going to get what you need and you're going to see exploits from God, you're going to have to set time aside in the coming weeks to prepare your heart and your family and your marriage. And when you show up here in two weeks on a Sunday and a Monday and a Tuesday, that we are in the Holy of Holies. We're not running late. The high priest was not late to meet God in the Shekinah glory of God. He was not late, my friend. I'm thinking if I'm him, Brother French, I'm there early. I'm quivering at the brazing altar. I'm looking, I'm trying to wash my hands. I'm splashing water out of the labor. What's wrong? I'm scared. I thought you were pure. I think I am too, but what does he think? If I don't come out of that thing, he thought something different than I thought I knew. What does the high priest do, honey? I I should be back if everything goes good. Son, I love you. Behold your mother. I plan on beholding her too, but if I don't, I think I'm holy. I think I'm pure. But to say that, you have to get alone with God and you have to think this thing through. You don't get holy by accident. You don't stumble into the holy of holies. You don't become spiritual because you cross an invisible line. No, you go after it and you seek God and you find an altar of prayer and you strip yourself from all the carnality and you lean into God. Why, Brother Tony? Because I know God is holy. And so we as as God's people, me as a pastor, I must be holy. So we strip ourselves of the carnality in Romans 1, excuse me, 12 and 1. One rendering says it this way. I'm just kind of cutting into the middle of the verse. It says, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him, an offering that is only for God and pleasing to him. The King James says body. Let me tell you why. Let me give you a little Bible study here on a footnote. Romans 12, 1. Lives literally means bodies. Paul was using the language of the Old Testament animal sacrifice to express the idea of a complete giving of oneself to God. Present yourselves a living, your body a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable. You see that word holy? And acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service. So it's not just your physical body. As Paul was stealing from the Old Testament writings I've just read to you, that the implication or the expression of the idea is that the sacrifice of the animal, Brother John, the whole body was put on the altar, which included his insides, his thoughts, which includes us, our spirit. That's why you can't just say the body looks holy, but the inside could be as dead men's bones, carnal and vile. How many of us, maybe I'm just a kind of borderline, neat, clean freak. But how many of you go into a restaurant, would you like some coffee? And the first thing I do is I look in the cup first. The outside looks clean. I'll give that to them. A few times I've seen like the bottom lip of some red lip. No, no, no. Now, we're not going there. Now, Ricky, don't play that game. But the outside was good until I looked on the inside. No, I'm not drinking out of this. Normally the inside is clean like the outside, okay? But with God, the inside is as valuable as the outside, and the outside is as valuable as the inside. It's one piece. You don't carve out this and have two different holinesses. 
You don't put this under subjection and your mind and spirit and your actions are contrary to God. Then you're not holy. Holy is a purity. It's pure all the way through. If God drills down on me, I pray to God I'm holy till he stops boring down. Yeah, we've drilled long enough. It's all holy. Let's drill on someone else. Thank you. I do very hard to keep it holy. But I understand as a pastor, it's my obligation. It's part of what I do to keep God's people holy. So when God shows up and he speaks and he manifests and we bring our needs to the revival, that we stack them in the holy of holies, that God is moving with liberty and freedom and we have purified ourselves and we have sanctified ourselves and we are ready for an impartation of the spirit of God that even if God's voice doesn't speak directly to you and call you by name, when Brother Green preaches, he's going to be preaching to the church. We are the church. Someone shout, we are the church. And I know his ministry. He may give you a personal word, Brother Tony. He may not. I always pray, Brother Gustavo, in service like that, God, if you've got something for me and he knows it, tell him to tell me. Well, you're the pastor. I know, but I don't know everything. And if you know something I don't know, you better tell me. As opposed to him ministering and you're like this. I'm not making eye contact with him. <laughs> What's wrong? You afraid you might bore down and find something that's ungodly? Going to drill down and find some hidden sin that you know in your heart you want to be delivered of, but you're too afraid to come clean? And God wants to set you free? What if we got our hearts ready and the man of God just spoke in two weeks and God set me free and he drilled down and I had an experience sitting or standing in my pew and I came clean with God. What am I going to do the next two weeks? I'm going back into my life. I'm going on my Instagram. I'm going on my playlist. I'm going back through my thoughts and thinking, okay, I've got to make sure so when the man of God shows up that I'm pure and I can step into the Holy of Holies, Brother Gustavo, and I don't get slain. Or maybe a better word is filleted by the Spirit of God. We want to see the glory of God amid the battle. If we do, we, we must cleanse ourselves and offer a sacrifice. So what are you saying? I'm saying this here, revival. There's the dates, there's the times on your screen. And we need to get ready. And sacrifice. Revival is not just an event. It's not just an item on my calendar or our church calendar. That's what we do for VBS. That, that's what we do for Kids Youth Convention. That's what we do, Brother Tony, for Praise in the Park. But this is not that type of event. There are some preparations in the spirit. There are some preparations in the soul. There are some preparations in the mind that if we want to hear the voice of God and see the miraculous and the miracles and you want something done that you cannot get done upon this earth, if you had so much money and you cannot even buy the repair, that's the kind of God I'm talking about, that he can fix things where there's no resolution. He can fix things where you've been living with. He can fix things that you were born with. That's the type of supernatural that I'm expecting to see starting August the 15th, 16th, and 17th. I don't care if you can buy it and, and that. You don't need God if you can buy the fix. 
You don't need God if you can get the repair at the doctor's office. You don't need God if you can go to a marriage counselor and they can tell you what to do and they fix everything. No, I'm talking about some deep-rooted issues that are way bigger than the professionals, that are bigger than the government, that are bigger than the CDC. Say, hey, this needs the hand of God, and I'm going to prepare myself, and I'm going to come clean. I'm going to get right, and God's going to speak into my life in the next two weeks. So what do you ask? I'm asking that nobody misses those nights. Oh, my kids have soccer normally at Monday night. Well, forget soccer. The devil's been kicking you around long enough, scoring goals with your life. i got to be honest. God didn't tell me that part. That was in the flesh. I don't know if God knows about soccer, but anyway. Or football if you're from Central America. Oh, I normally go to here on Tuesday nights. Well, then normally don't go that Tuesday. Why? Because we have an appointment with God in the Holy of Holies. That once a year, that high priest said, God, you know what? I'm sorry. Can we change this to Friday? I normally do something on Tuesdays. I'm thinking God said, you don't show up, I'll find you. I'll kill you where you're at. Don't think I'm confined to the Holy of Holies. Now, God didn't tell me that either. I'm sorry. Let me get back to what God said. That's actually a little more fun to preach, but what am I saying? I want you here. I want the church here. That's like the dad telling all the kids, you know what? We're having family dinner Friday, son, and every, all you little kids that are part of me, you better be here. Oh, dad, I was going skateboarding with my friends. Then you go on Saturday. Right. What am I going to tell them? I don't care what you say. You better be at this dinner table Friday night. Right. I'm gonna go, as my dad would do, I'm going to go to that skateboard park and whip your tail in front of your friends. Right. And then you'll never want to be with them again. So I recommend you don't be with them this one time. That's the way my dad would pastor. He had probably whipped me with a skateboard. Forget the belt. I'm going to use a skateboard. You, you like skateboards? Here, how do you like this? Well, I don't like it on my rear end. I like it on my feet, but okay, pops. And I'm sorry God didn't tell me that either. But we got to be here. If you have to come straight from work, I bless you. If you're grubby and scrubby and stinky and smelly and oily and greasy, I bless you. Because you've got to get in the presence of God. You can shower after church. But I'm asking us, don't be late. Mom, prepare the dinners ahead of time. Make the, make the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the night before for dinner. Whatever you got to do. Okay, here's all the cereal lined up. You've got 12 minutes, and we're going do whatever you got to do, Mom. Dad, this is two weeks from today. Revival can't just be another event. It's a reviving of the church that points us back to the old paths. There's something powerful about the old ways. The early church and even the church of 30 years ago had incredible fervency and tenacity when they set their minds to get in the presence of God. That's where you hear about all-night prayer meetings. That's where you hear about deliverances. That's I'm, I come from an apostolic background. I'm a Pentecostal. We're spirit-filled. When's the last time? Probably none of you have, except maybe a couple of us old guys and old, older ladies. Grandma, you've been there. One of her friends was rolled up in a carpet 
because she was demon-possessed and they were casting the demons out of her. They stayed and prayed her through. She became a pastor's wife. She helped save many souls. But she didn't start out living for God, but there were some things that she had to work through. That's old pals right there, folks. All I'm saying is there's something that they had that I'm afraid as this church gets moving and the pendulum swings that we're losing some power. Back where this is three nights, back in my day, there was like seven-a-week revival, no break, 49 straight days. Hey, kids, and I still had to do my homework. Oh, I got to stay home. My mask, my mom didn't take an F, get in the car, we're going. And I probably took a few Fs because I had to be in church. That's old paths right there. Older I get, I'm thinking, you know, they might have had something we lost, Brother Mark Chavez. Now, there's, there's the ways of doing church. There's ways of being compatible. There's ways of being loving. But there's some things as apostolic believers we don't fudge on, and there's no wiggle room. And when it comes to the glory and power of God, we can't tamper in touch with that. That will be in, that will be in, in order 100 years from now when I'm long gone. But woe is the generation in the churches that start preaching everything sugar-coated and rot your teeth. I feel like I'm using a little stevia on this one. Back in those days, people were set free, and they stayed free. They came out of prison hooked on drugs. I'm t- I'm not, they, I personally know I'm telling about people I know. They came in as felons. God set them free. And they never went back to their darkness. Why? Because it was the power and the intensity of the church that helped keep them safe. And they got a revelation of, hey, this is how you live for God. This is how I get set free. This is how you come clean. And this is how you stay clean. Mm. That's the supernatural I grew up in. Why don't we see the supernatural now? Because everybody gets offended. Everybody gets spiritually wimpy. Yeah, are we still going to have lunch at 12 o'clock? How long is he going to keep going? You go when you got to go, and I'll finish when I got to finish. God didn't say that either. That's me, right? I'm sorry. They didn't ask those questions back in the day. I feel like I'm getting old. I keep preaching about the old ways. But there's something about those old ways that all of those people are still living for God, and we can't hardly keep people saved today because they get offended or they want to go do other things rather than be faithful to the house of God. Why? Because it's the influences of our society that begins to arrest their attention. But back in the old days, they were sold out. They ran away. They got away from darkness. They said, no, I don't want a broken life. I'm not raising broken kids. I know how I was raised. I know what God did for me. No, I'm setting some new paths. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Old things are passed away. I am a brand new creature. The supernatural is opposite of carnality. Ephesians 6 and 12, Paul says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
You see, you can extract that word out of there. It's a lowercase s. Say, hey, they're spiritual. No, you're twisting it. They are spiritually wicked. Right. Not capital S with the deity of God. That's of darkness. That's of the devil. That's from hell. And if I'm going to stay holy and godly, I cannot be constantly carnal. What is carnality for someone that's new? That's I'm doing what I naturally want to do in my mind and my flesh. I'm sinning. I'm sowing down the wrong path. And the more you sow in carnality, the more the crop comes up. And how do you get out of that? It's a miracle. That's how you get out of it. The opposite of the world and their thinking. And what we think against what they think is right. When you think like them, you get results like them. Who are them? I'm talking about ungodly people, unsaved people, heathens, Egyptians, put in Old Testament vernacular. People that haven't sold out to God. People that aren't putting God first. There's ways that they try to tackle life. There's ways that we try to tackle, try to tackle life. How many funerals have I been in, and I've said and I've heard and I, people tell me, how do people without God do this? My answer is always the same. I don't know because I have God. I can't fathom. When things crumble, how do people without God climb up out of the rubble? I don't know. The Bible says, Brother Gustavo, that it rains on the just and unjust alike. We might be climbing out of rubble, but I got God. And I'm going to climb out, and God's going to prevail. I don't want rubble on anybody. But if in the event something happens in life, I won't re-preach it, but a long time ago, our rubble was two years of severe dark depression with my wife. We were in the rubble. So climb for two years? Yes, we did. Crawl for two years? Yes, we did. But here's the thing, Grandma Rosie, you were one of them. We had some of those old timers, some of the old past, old school, get a hold of my wife. And their faith and their tenacity and their spoken words helped us climb out. But it was the old voices with experience that's been there and God has set them free and they never went back into darkness and they spoke into our life and they covered us and they surrounded us and we made it. And here we are 22 years later pastoring a bunch of wonderful people, but we climbed out of the rubble. How do people without God do it? I don't know. And I don't ever want to know because I'm always going to have God. Supernatural, the Spirit of God, and with faith and purification of oneself. And so, my message to us this morning, Brother Mark, you can come, or Nolan, is we have to come clean. I, I'm, please hear me, people. I am giving you the second grade version of what God gave me on Friday but I came clean with God. I apologize for all of us. Sister Gidget, I owned it. I'm the spiritual father. I'm the pastor. So I, I, you're right, God. You're right. I'm so sorry. This is not an event. This is not a to-do list. This is not a bullet point. This is not a punch list. We're talking about people's marriage. We're talking about people's sanity. 
We're talking about people's salvation. We're talking about people's stability. We're talking, we're talking about people's confidence. This is not a game. Maybe you're new here and you wonder, hey, what did he just say? You know what? I just transitioned into a spiritual language. That's what I did. That's what apostolics do. We pray and intercede in the spirit. It is not English. It's a heavenly language. And I connect with God. Oh, that's spooky. Okay, well, it's in here. I never read that. It's still here. It's the infilling of the Spirit. It's God speaking out. And He's saying, you got to come clean. You want to see my glory? I'm only showing glory to clean people. Why? Because I am clean and pure. cried for you Friday. Thankfully, I, I was in a crowd and people couldn't see me. I sat there. God, I'm sorry. It's my fault. I've been preaching all sugar-coated candy messages the last couple of weeks. Whoa, ridiculous. Okay, I'm going to get my mirror. I'm sorry, God. There's a time for that and there's a need for that, but to prepare our hearts for revival, that doesn't do it. It's getting serious with God on our face and pushing away, putting my life on pause for a little bit. Grandpa used to sing this song that my son-in-law is playing, and I don't know, you have a mic, you know it. Listen to this for a minute. That's the old paths right there. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth. prepare our hearts for the revival by fasting by giving and by prayer this is what I'm going to ask us to do if you'll turn your attention to the screen starting this week each week pick one day fast from sunrise to 5pm water only 
That's the old path right there. That broke addictions. That set people free. One day each week. One day each week, I want you to fast media for 24 hours. What is that? I'm just pushing back. Media is any pleasurement that you enjoy, any device. Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube Live, anything that you enjoy. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I don't need to list it. If you enjoy it, step back for 24 hours. You see, back in Grandpa's day, they didn't have media. But they fasted stuff. Heidi, we pushed back. No, I'm not going to get entangled with the world for 24 hours. What about the apocalypse? Oh, well. How do I know when to run and get in my bunker? Oh, well. The sky's not falling in. Why are you doing all this? Because we're going to get in the Holy of Holies in two weeks, and I don't want to die by being tainted with carnality. Every Friday night here at 6.30 to 7.30, the church doors are open. I'm asking you to pick one of the Friday nights and bring your family. Don't be late. 6.30, This week, pick a day. Family, we're not eating until 5 o'clock, so you better eat a lot of dinner tonight. Whatever you got to do. One day each week. You can combine them, say, hey, we're fasting till 5. We're not watching media on the same day. You can separate them. I don't care. Then I'm asking us to give. To bless the people of God that are coming to be God's voice. Our little kids next door will be in revival. Same hours, same days. My sister-in-law and her adult daughter have been up here. They're coming up here, Brother Fernando. They're doing revival with our kids. I talked to my brother-in-law which would be the dad and the husband, two weeks ago. And he said, they're already fasting for your kids. I didn't even catch it. It went right over my head until Friday night. I said, hey, they're, what are you going to do? They're already getting all their object lessons together, he told me. They're putting them in a box. They're coming. They're believing. They're driving from San Diego after work. Monday and Tuesday I want to bless them with an offering I think that's honorable the man of God's coming flying from Atlanta, Georgia this is all he does he travels and he flies around that's how he that's his vocation I want to fly him out here he's coming Anthony and I know what he's going to ask me and I want to say absolutely he's going to say should I bring my wife because the question is implying, okay, does your budget allow my wife to come? Yes. Your dogs and kids too. 
We got the money. I'm asking you in the next two weeks or during revival, our budget is $4,000. $4,000. It's not a lot. When we pull and partner together, I want to bless these people. They're coming to our revival. They're not coming to get. Other than it feels good and they're in the will of God, what do they, what do they, what good is it for them? What do they do? They're working. They're driving. But they're doing the will of God. So that's the payday. It's right in here. But we are the beneficiaries, the recipients. So I'm asking you to help me. I'm not going to do it right. You just think about it. $4,000. My wife and I will 10%. We'll tie them. We're committing to 400. You just ask God. God, what's my part to bless the men and women of God? I'm not hurting. I'm not struggling. I live in the overflow. I want them to live with me in the overflow. If they give their life to this, God, Years ago, I preached a message. Unfortunately, I have to confess, I got another filleting from God. Funny how that is. I came back and preached to our church, I don't know, 12 years ago. A message that I entitled, I'm not afraid of you. My whole message was on giving because I was afraid to ask you to give. Because I didn't want people to think, oh, church is just all about the money. And so for about nine years of my pastorate, I cowered down to that fear. And I was in a meeting. I was a saint. I wasn't preaching. I was on the platform. I, brother, so I was just sitting and I could finally receive. And I came back, Brother Savage, you probably remember I preached. I'm not afraid of you. You don't want to give? I'm still preaching. You don't want to bless a missionary? we're still given to the missions field. You don't want to help us get a bigger building? I'm not afraid of you. And I don't say that grossly. And a few times I tell the pastor friends I preach that message and they can't believe I did it. I can't actually believe I did it either. If someone had asked me this day, they said, no, do not change the title. I can give you a more sugar-coated title. But I got a revelation. That when we give to God, God gives more and bigger and greater. So as I'm typing this slide and I type the word give, I got to be on. This wasn't God, but this was me, okay? Sister Mary, I lean back in my chair. Oh, I'm not afraid of you. G-I-V-E. Because I promised God I wouldn't be afraid of you guys to ask for money. So yeah, I'm asking for $4,000 paid on or before the last day of revival. But this is what I want to give you, okay? Brother John, could you give me one, please? This basket's up here. It's empty. Okay, it's been up here on purpose. I thought about the revival, and how does it impact you? Well, I'm going to, I've got our pastoral team and ushers ready with pins and I have three by five cards, and I'm just going to slow it down. I don't care if it takes 20 minutes. I don't care. You know why? Because I'm not afraid of you. 
And I want you to write what you want from this revival. One need per card. It's not inconceivable that a family could turn in six cards. One need per card. Someone always asks, hey, there's always a reason why, hey, why are you on a diet? I need to shed 12 pounds. So I'm eating all this nasty, hard-boiled eggs. What, what, are you, what are you doing that? Why are you starve yourself? There's a reason. Why are you going to school so long and, and working and studying at night when we're goofing off making popcorn? Because i got to pass my test because I'm going to be a nurse. I can't play your little games right now. But one day when I'm a nurse and I get through all this, I'm going to play your little games. There's a purpose. And so the purpose of our revival for you is what? We're going to put them all in here. We're going to anoint this. I'm not telling Brother Green what this is. Other than when he gets here on Sunday, I say, you know what? In that basket is what the church is looking for God to say to them. Now, what he does with them, I don't know. These will be confidential. They will be locked in my office. They're not going to be out. I don't want no names. You write. My marriage is headed for a divorce. I struggle with pornography, and I beg God to set me free. I have not told my wife, and I'm scared. Whatever. If the revival did that for you, you'd probably write a $4,000 check yourself. But since it's not all about the money, it's about partnership with God. Again, let me explain, then we're going to take a minute and they can play. One card per request, per need. They're going to come through. If you need more cards, just raise your hand. They'll bring them back. They'll have pens. I have, I have 600 cards. You write the needs. Stack them up. We're going to pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.